You're listening to The Semi-Failed Writer. This is a new show about my life experiences, my love for entertainment, and of course, my failures. Are you ready for this? I've been ready for this my whole life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of The Semi-Failed Writer. I can't believe I've made it this far, but here we are. I have a guest host today. Um, sitting next to me is uh, one of my favorite people ever. It's my husband, Eric. What's up, dude? How did I get roped into doing this? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taken away from your video game playing time, but I do appreciate you doing this. No, it should be fun. And uh, by the way, you volunteered oh okay that's how it happened i just had all to right. remind you that all right fair enough but are you nervous no really should i be no it's my show it's all <laughs> on me <laughs> i'm the one that has something writing on this yeah, let's um, do it all right um so for today's episode we are going to do a film review and today that film is rudy rudy rudy, rudy. <laughs> yes that one um so i have this format that I put together. And so what I'll probably do in this episode is that I'll explain why I have these different topics and then we'll get into it. So um, this is the first time either of us have ever done this. So let's just wing it. Let's yeah, go. it's going to be awesome. All right. Um, so yeah, why am I doing Rudy as my review here? Well, first of all, uh, I originally wanted to do this podcast back in August. I was ready to, to you know, go ahead and do and record it. And that was around the same time that the college football season started. So I thought, oh, it would be appropriate to do Rudy because it's dealing with football. But I'm lazy and I just started it in the new year and the football season's already over and done with. So I already committed to this. So we're doing Rudy. So in other words, it's completely inappropriate timing to do it, but we're doing it anyway. We are. Yeah. Maybe people are going to watch this in August, like they'll find out about it later, and then it might be perfect. Oh, they'll make total sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll Just get in ahead of the rush. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing. Okay, um, the other thing, why why this movie? I did talk in my introductory episode about movies that I want to talk about that have some meaning to me, and this one definitely does. So, uh, I'm actually a graduate of University of Notre Dame, class of 2005. Um, that's something I don't like to talk about with people now because I don't know I don't feel like I'm where I want to be as a Notre Dame graduate but that's something I'll talk about later um, but I do want to tell you about uh, when I first got onto campus as a freshman we do orientation we meet all these other students from all over the country and the world and I found that you ask the same five questions to everybody I think that's just something that happens so you ask your name, where you're from originally, what dorm you're living in on campus, because that was a big thing, uh, what you're majoring in, and why you chose Notre Dame. So that was, I was asked by everybody all this. So whenever it came to why people decided Notre Dame, there was like three big reasons why. One, it's because it's a Catholic school, 
And so, of course, a lot of people with the Catholic faith, they feel like going to school there is just totally in line with their philosophy. That makes total sense. Two, they're like a legacy kid. Um, so they've had parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, whoever in that family, they've all gone to that school, so they're just kind of carrying tradition. Do you want to guess what the third reason is? What's the third reason? They watch Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> I was very surprised. There were so many people that I talked to, and they are like, yeah, I saw Rudy. I cried myself into, you know. So, I, it was... so of those three reasons, like what percentage of each one of those three reasons factored into your decision? I would say I was an anomaly. I, I feel like maybe 25% was that it was a Catholic school. I came from an area where I didn't even think that that was an option for me. Like, I didn't know anybody else who had went to the school. It's just by, by happenstance. Like, I went somewhere, they had a representative from the campus, and I thought, oh, that would just be cool to apply. I just like to brag to my friends, I applied to Notre Dame. And then somehow I, they wanted me. I don't so know. So 25% that it's a Catholic, Catholic school, 75% other? Yeah, yeah. Because no legacy. No legacy. I didn't and, watch Rudy until, until after I got accepted. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like that's if you if you go to Notre Dame, you have to have at least seen Rudy once. And that's certainly what I did. <laughs> I felt like it was summer reading before I went to school. So the summer I watched it, um, I loved it when I first watched it. Um, so that gets me into the next thing. You do not like Notre Dame's. You don't. You don't like this. You don't like their sports program. Why is that? Well, you know, growing up in Southern California, rooting for. The University of Southern California, it's pretty much forbidden to like Notre Dame sports teams. Yeah. But it's all sports hate. It has nothing to do with the institution. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a great school. Okay. Great people have gone to school there. Are you looking at me? <laughs> um, so, so what was it like as a USC fan when you first watched Notre Dame? Do you remember what that was like? Watch, watching the movie? Yeah. Uh, did, did that change your perspective because it was about someone at Notre Dame? Or well, not? yeah, I mean, I was rooting against Notre Dame in all of the sports scenes while the movie was playing. I wanted Rudy to fail. No, I, no. <laughs> I, it actually honestly didn't play into my thinking all that much. Watching the movie, it was just, I mean, it was more about the movie itself, like the story and, you know, the classic underdog story rather than it. Yeah, there's a just universal like it was tied, It was tied to, to Notre Dame, but since it wasn't, I mean, it was a re obviously it's based on a true story, but something before my time and, and, uh, and also just, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a football game, you know, I wasn't watching yeah. USC playing Notre Dame. So it really yeah. didn't, didn't really change my, my opinion watching it. Okay. I don't think. Maybe it, maybe it factored in some. We'll see. Maybe right. I'll, uh, when we explore some of these topics, something will trigger. Yeah. All right. So this is the first thing that we'll, we'll have here. I'm going to do just an overall summary of the film. I'm sure... For those of you who haven't seen it. Yeah. Anyone born after 2000 probably hasn't seen it, unless you're applying to Notre Dame. But um, I'm just going to do a quick summary of it and talk about who are the major players in this. So... I wrote it down. Here we go. Rudy is based on the true story of Daniel Eugene Rudiger, otherwise known as Rudy. 
His lifelong dream was to attend the University of Notre Dame and to play for their prestigious football team. There was a problem, though. He didn't have the grades to get accepted into the school, but not only that, he was too small to convince anyone that he could play Division I football, and everyone around him made it clear that they had their doubts. But that didn't matter. After a tragic accident, Rudy decides to go to South Bend, Indiana to pursue his dream. He puts in countless hours of work in order to gain acceptance into the school and become a member of the football team as a walk-on. In the process, he changes people's minds, and more importantly, he makes the rest of us believe that no dream is impossible to achieve. Rudy was released in 1993, directed by David Anspaugh and written by Angelo Pizzo. The film stars Sean Astin as Rudy, and the supporting cast includes John Favreau, Ned Beatty, and Charles S. Dutton. So there you go. There's your refresher. So the first major subject I have is, this is just a fun one. It's called Also Known As. So what you and I usually do sometimes if we see like a actor or even a voice actor too, if we see him in some role, we always like to identify them as the major character that we know them as. So for instance, if we see Idris Elba, I don't know if you do this, but Idris Elba pops up on one of the Fast and Furious movies or doing a show or whatever, he's always going to be Stringer Bell. Oh, sure, yeah. He, string, yeah. And, and so it's, it's just a fun game to, to refer to the actors by some other role that they played when that's not the role that they're playing anymore. Yeah. So I have five names here, so I will uh, give a name and then we'll say what we know them as most strongly. Uh, so first of all, the main man, Sean Astin. Um, I think for me, it's always just going to be Rudy, since I connect more with that movie than anything else, but I do know him as many other characters. So Yeah, and that, like, when we've talked about this before a little bit, and it's, it's like it would probably be generational for some actors who have some staying power, where, you know, if you're a certain age, you're going to remember a character as, or an actor as a certain character, whereas someone younger might have a different connection to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and so Rudy was the first one that I, that I saw that I remember who he was watching the movie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, come on, he's Samwise he from, is from Samwise. Lord of the Rings. It's, that's an easy one. Yeah. And we'll then never we... leave you, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we forgot about this, but he was the kid in the Goonies. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Honorable mention, Mikey from Goonies. Mikey that's from Goonies. That's for, if you're a certain, from yeah. a certain generation, that would, that would be a... A fond memory, I would think. Yeah, 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 classic. And then if you were much younger, then you'd probably know him more recently as Bob from Stranger Things. Um, but yeah, something we were saying about him in particular was that I this is no disrespect to him. He's not like a list actor, but he has come in. He's had some gems. Like he's had some a part in a bunch of these iconic films and so. he's been constantly working yeah like, from when he started like he's, yeah, he was he's a never never missing out on a role he's always doing something it seems like yeah. looking through the all the filmography and everything he's got a lot of a lot of stuff he's done yeah good on him i'm mad at him all right who's next all right, uh charles s dutton rock he is the rock <laughs> Not, not the, the rock. rock sorry <laughs> not doing no he's rock there yeah. was a sitcom in the 90s that that he was the starring role in and I know he's done a lot of work, too. We talked about how he started off in jail. He was in prison for some time and then got his life together. And then... Yeah, as a teen, him. as a teen, he, he was put in jail for manslaughter. 
and and while he was in jail he started going to school and and fell in love with acting theater put on plays in prison and stuff like that yeah. and uh so a really interesting story uh, another one like actually i'm i'm kind of torn on this one and i think that that there would be some people who also would uh think of charles s dutton as uh mr butler from menace to society oh yeah uh yeah. It, it, another you know again he's he's playing basically the same role in menace to society as he is yeah. in rudy as he's like the the sort of words of wisdom for for the main character um but yeah that was also one that i definitely remember him from even he's been in a lot of stuff too uh but yeah either rock or mr butler for me yeah he had his prime in in his 90s he, he's still working to this day um but yeah those those for sure all right um where should i go with next okay let's go ned Beatty. for me i know him in a lot of roles but i can't like identify him right now for the life of me he's one he's one that that i don't know that there's any one character that you like he's because like you say he's a kind of character actor that's Mm -hmm. done a lot of different things and but there's not not like to me to me the only thing that that came up when when i thought of of him is that he's lotso the bear from toy story (laughs) 3 uh which i don't know just a funny connection because toy story 3 of course made many a grown person cry yeah. and it's it's funny too that you recognize his voice i don't think i could pick out his voice from mm. like a, a in anything but yeah yeah, yeah i don't i don't know but, but yeah the villain the villain from the movie that made probably the most grown people <laughs> cry that while up, watching. which you didn't up yeah up also yeah, yeah i don't know all right okay so we got two more uh john favreau I think we were both in agreement that he is the different swingers. Definitely Mike from That's... from Swingers. Uh, almost the same role <laughs> as, yeah. as he is in Rudy. Lovable. There there's some similarities there. Very bad with girls. Uh, he, the, the interesting thing with him too is that that's another one that's probably generational because like a younger person who maybe hasn't seen swingers yeah and, and what would you know him from and uh and one of the things that you always say is that he that any character that he plays you would just remember him as that asshole from he was a jerk, certain man. movie yeah <laughs> i i remember him from uh what was it i love you man so he played such a good like a he did so well being a jerk um, and I think that's kind of the majority of what he's been doing, other than, I mean, heavy hitter as a producer these days. Oh, yeah. The Mandalorian, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, doing well. Yeah. But I, I liked him. <laughs> but he's Mike from Swingers. He's Mike from Swingers. I liked him as, like, the lovable. Yeah, Mike from Swingers became a jerk. All right, one more. So, I always forget this when I watch Rudy, but Vince Vaughn had a role in this. He's in there a couple minutes. Yeah, so, Vince Vaughn. My thing with Vince Vaughn is that it goes counter to this entire category where you're talking about actors where you remember them for these roles that they do. Vince Vaughn, you just remember for being Vince Vaughn because every single character he ever is is Vince Vaughn. And while you you might occasionally remember a name of one of the characters that he played, it's now it's just Vince Vaughn it's in that Vince movie. Vaughn it's not, you know, Peter LaFleur from Dodgeball or when he was Wes Mantooth in Anchorman. Like, yeah. you can remember some of the characters, but he every single one of them is exactly the same. He's, He's the same himself. character no matter what. And, you know, most of the time it's funny. Sometimes it gets a little tired. But, but yeah, so it's just Vince Vaughn. Yeah. 
All right, next topic is heroes and villains. So in this one, we're just going to talk about who is the protagonist or protagonists in the film and the antagonist, and then we're going to talk about whether or not they were effective as those roles in the story. So Who is the hero in Rudy? So, you tell me. No, um, obviously it's Rudy. The movie's named after How him. How did he get the nickname Rudy? I'm just kidding. It's oh, okay. <laughs> I was seriously going to answer that. I'm like, well. Um, okay, so Rudy... I feel like it, the way they set up, he's a great antagonist. First of all, he's an underdog, and so he has this um, kind of life that we kind of, we sympathize for him. We kind of understand it where people underestimate us, where uh, they have doubt and they try to dissuade him from trying to go after something, and for him, he just didn't want to hear it. He had a dream, he went after it. Um, and I feel like he had a really good character arc, because there was a moment where he had the motivation to go after this. It was very clear what his objective was. He was going to go to Notre Dame. He was going to play football. And then he was kind of losing sight of what was more important to him whenever he was not going to be able to get to be on the field. But you had people there kind of help him change his mind and uh, realize that even if whatever he's done at this point is still amazing, even if you don't get to be on the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think the, the arc was. Yeah. Really and, and since that movie, I think that it, it almost Rudy was almost the personification of like the likable underdog. Like that was the, that was what he was intended to be and, and really fit that role for, for a long time. I think if you thought of an underdog in a situation then you know, Rudy would be yeah. a, the kind of character that you would be thinking of. Yes, of course. Um, I don't know if we have anything else for that. Okay, so antagonists. I don't... They, I think they were trying to make one person like the main antagonist in a way, but there were several. There was a lot of different people who served as antagonists. Yeah, so who, who is the villain then? So, of course, the obvious one is Dan Devine near the end of the film. Sure, the coach. Um, the coach. And we'll get more into to that because he actually was not in real life that that he wasn't an antagonist at all but they needed it for this story so he was doing that um so we have him we have uh his family particularly his older brother frank um and then i forget about this until i we watched the movie last night the another antagonist was that teacher he had in high school that was calling him out about how dumb he was essentially um but, I mean, they all serve the same purpose. They all were just doubting Rudy. Um, for Dan, for for the coach, it was more about, well, he just made a decision. Well, I don't know. I think all of them, they just all had their doubts. That was the thing. It's just they, I think Dan kept him from getting his role. The others, they weren't keeping him from doing anything. They were just trying to tell him. They're trying to break him down and say, "Hey, just don't do it." They were just trying to guide him, but Divine had more of the power in his hands to do something. Um, yeah, and when you so. when you talk about the brother, like for his part in the villainy in the movie, uh, it it's almost like he's he's not really trying to guide Rudy. He's never he's never talking to him in a way where where he's actually 
thinking that he's giving him good advice. He's just the naysayer. Like everything is negative from him. It's oh, okay, it's just yeah. uh, and so it's like so for his part in it. I mean, yeah, it's not really. He's not really. I mean, he's not really the villain of the movie, but definitely a, a big antagonist all along because he's very, very anti. Like, he just doesn't believe that Rudy could be successful doing anything, it seems like, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, let alone go to Notre Dame, play on the football team, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I also have a little bit here about supporting characters. Were there good supporting characters? I feel like they there were. Yeah. Like, you got D-Bob, who is a friend to to Rudy and helping him out with his grades. And then you have, um, we didn't realize his name was Fortune, but the groundskeeper that Charles has done. Yeah, it's like, when when do they say that? I don't remember. Do they say that during the movie sometime, that he's Fortune? Yeah. And then you watch the credits and you're like, oh, okay, Charles S. Dutton's character was Fortune. Okay. (laughs) I did like the supporting characters. They did serve a purpose to the story. He's like the sort of guidance that that sort of like, not really moral compass character, but it's like a he's he really gives his wisdom from you know having been in not similar situation, but like he's seen some things and he can yeah. he can give the kid some advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just like Mr. Butler in Menace to Society. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have anything else for those. I feel like protagonist was effective the villain was not typical the antagonist but they did have a purpose like they did have an effect on rudy um so let's go to the next topic i call this so what happened to you man why do you say that i i have a story behind this and i i'll say this I didn't get this story firsthand so i'm gonna do my best to try to retell it the way that i that i remember hearing this so my late brother Back in like late 80s, early 90s, he went to a Rick Springfield concert. And I think at the end of the show, he somehow snuck his way backstage and then he befriended someone who was like one of Rick Rick's handlers. And so he's butting him up and then the, the guy was like, hey, so Rick is over in his tour bus right now. Do you want to go meet him? And he's like, oh yeah, sure. And so they're making their way over there. And then my brother says, hey, so what happened to him, man? And the guy stops and he's like, hey, listen. Rick's a cool guy. He's, you could chat him up, you know, ask any questions, you know, he'll answer you. But do not, please do not ask him what happened to him. Because at the time, he, he had always been dealing with depression, but he took a break from performing because he was dealing with his depression. And he just started a family, so he's taking time off from that. So it sounded like a pretty sensitive topic. He didn't want to it probably people have been asking that a lot and so he was just tired of it so my brother agreed he's like okay i won't i won't ask the question so they get in the tour bus he meets rick he's like hey how's it going man first question so what happened to you man and he got kicked right out (laughs) and i don't know why he thought that was a good idea to do that when someone specifically said don't ask him i think it was a lot your brother being your brother yeah he just wanted to know what happened he just wanted to know what happened and that's what happened. He gets kicked out of a tour bus for Rick Springfield. Um, so who is that in this movie? All right. Who's, so, so what happened to so you, So what man? happened to you, man, is basically the point where I talk about a cast member or a crew member involved in this film that was kind of in their height, like, 
this was kind of in their prime here, but then they kind of dropped off since. And so there's two people that I want to talk about in this section, and it's the director, David Anspaugh, and the writer, Angela Pizzo. So I didn't realize this until I looked it up, but those two also did Hoosiers. One of the greatest sports movies. And arguably one of the greatest sports movies ever. So they did that, and then they got success with Rudy as well, but they haven't done a lot since then. Um, I was looking at some of the credits and I wasn't familiar. They did one other sports movie together about the U.S. beating England in the World Cup. Um, but I think both of them right now, they both relocated to Indiana. And I think David was at one point teaching. I think they both are looking to start teaching at a university and doing joint lectures and stuff. Uh, I think Angelo is still doing some writing, but he doesn't have many credits to his name. Um... So the question is, you know, why has that happened? Yeah, from making maybe the greatest sports movie and the mo- maybe the most iconic underdog sports movie story to yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah, so you'd think they'd have, you know, that set. There's Yeah, you would think countless. there would be more that We've had a ton of sports movies um ever since this came out in 93 so we've got a lot that are good and so i don't know if they've ever been considered for that you would think um and i don't know maybe that might have been their their uh downfall is that that's people think that's all they could do and they couldn't translate that work into doing something else i have no idea i couldn't get much information or maybe that's what they wanted they were you always hear stories about people that kind of get tired of being in the industry they they burn out or they want to do something else that's possible i don't know um but that is surprising that this was kind of their prime here like two great sports stories and then you know they're kind of not doing as much now but maybe maybe there's a need for it and they'll just call them back from wherever they are and we'll get rudy too yeah and it won't be just rudy as colonel sanders no in case you guys don't know they (laughs) did i think the youngsters might be confused like what is this football thing in the kfc commercial that was picked off from the movie rudy but whatever (laughs) um soundtrack soundtrack so all we're just gonna do is talk about the music that's in the the film so what about the the music all right, so the uh, original score was uh, put together by Jerry Goldsmith, I believe. He also worked with uh, the writer and the director of Hoosiers. He did the score there, too. I think he got nominated for an Oscar for that, but not for Rudy. Um, and then, of course, a lot of the other songs are actually songs from the University of Notre Dame. you got the Victory March, you've got Hike Notre Dame, the Rakes of Mallow. A bunch, bunch of, of terrible ones. Shut up. Um, <laughs> for me, it's weird, like, listening to it. Like, I, I enjoy those. That's very much Notre Dame. I can't be objective and say whether I liked it or not. It just brought a lot of memories Yeah, to I me. mean, bringing up that you brought up Sports Hate earlier, I think that that's probably the least enjoyable part of the movie is having to listen to those songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to be objective for this one because there's there's bias we've already been exposed to these songs before and so and it comes with this attached it's attached with these memories that we have um for the score um i think the main theme that they have and i can't 
post stuff like that on the podcast, but maybe I'll just go on my blog and kind of link you to this stuff. Um, I like the main theme. It's a, it's a very just cool, um, powerful, motivational kind of, um, song that kind of goes with so much so that everybody else wanted to use it in yeah so that was yeah we looked that up too and it was like what did i say 13 movie trailers yeah that they used it in a lot of different trailers like people just it was it worked for for the type of mood that you're trying to set in in, like in a trailer a lot of times so yeah it was a it was a mood setter i like that (laughs) um there was a couple of other songs that were in the soundtrack and I don't remember hearing those like I think they had Ring of Fire I don't remember hearing that probably in one of the bars they would have had maybe that could be yeah something to kind of keep in line with the era that it was in but I I didn't know it at all yeah I don't remember hearing that actually so there's a waste of funds there to get the licensing for that but can't do anything about it now All All right, let's break down some scenes Okay, so... Throw, throw some at me. We're going to talk about the best scene. Yes, we are. Best scene from the movie. So throw a few at me. I'll see, I'll see if I agree with yours or if there's something else that I might throw in and see, if, right. we, see if we agree what might be the best or if we just disagree. All right, obviously my, my favorite scene in this, of course, is Rudy getting carried off the field because I, when I watched it last night, like I, I almost cry every time I see it. There's very few times where I see something repeatedly and I still get a reaction to it. But what I really just liked about it was seeing everybody else cheering for Rudy. I liked how he finally just won the hearts of all these people. And especially when fortune's watching, his... he's so proud. Yeah. And I... his naysayer, his main naysayer, his brother. Yeah. He turns it around. <laughs> and he's like, you were right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was always yeah. That, that that's really a cool scene. That is that is definitely the most memorable scene. Maybe mm-hmm. you got any others that you would throw in there, or is that really your only nomination other, for best? No, the other the other scene that I really liked whenever I watched it was whenever he finally got accepted. He's sitting on this uh, right outside the lake, and he finally opens it. It's his last chance to get into the school, and he's reading it and just becomes overwhelmed because he finally got in and that was just a nice moment that he all the hard work finally he 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 got that one goal that was one or two goals getting to the school and getting on the team and i felt like that was actually more meaningful that he got into the school yeah than getting in another walk-on i think i think i'm with you on the the getting carried off the field i think that that's probably the best scene mm-hmm. um there's one that i want to throw in that's honorable mention that i yeah. don't know that that most people watching the movie would necessarily say is the best scene but uh there's the scene when he first gets to to notre dame <laughs> and he's I, he, you know he, he goes through that there's the fence that's chained but it's not and so he's able to like open right, it up right, and he right. walks into the stadium and and uh, because again, you know, talking about the the sports hate and whatever, I but I don't hate Notre Dame, and so there's actually some other scenes in the movie too, but this one in particular with the stadium where you're seeing some of the the iconic uh, imagery that's that's from around the the Notre Dame campus and in particular the stadium in that scene. Um, that's just really cool because it's just this palace, this cathedral of college football, and yeah, and yeah. and also that there that uh, we talked about before that that there are not very many films that have been in, that 
filmed on campus. It's like this one Two. and one other. Yeah, New Rockland All American. Yeah, back and, in like the and, 40s or something. And and so it the, the campus is beautiful. Uh, yes. You know, I hate the sports teams, but I you got to acknowledge some things. And and yeah, that campus is is really awesome. And and just the I feel like they they captured like kind of the awe of a person who's walking into that place for the first time, especially if you have that big attachment to, to college football, like he did growing mm-hmm. up as a Notre Dame fan. And like, just the, the feeling that you must have when you're like on this hallowed ground that you've only oh, yeah. heard about or whatever. And, and so I, I just think that that scene really kind of plays up the, the, the university, the stadium itself as, as, you know, almost a character in the movie, which I thought was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. There's something we always talk about. Like if anybody goes on campus, we always talk about there being a mystique. There's something special about going onto the campus, seeing things like the golden dome, uh, the, the, the stadium. I can't speak English right now. Um, <laughs> But just seeing all these iconic buildings and landscape too, I uh, I think that's something that we all liked about it too when we watch it. It's like we know these places and we understand how special it is. Like we we all get it. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess that that's kind of the connection that that I feel like was coming across in in that particular scene. Yeah. In the film. Yeah, those are good options for, for so, best scenes. So yeah, best scene, Rudy getting carried off. There, there are some other ones that are that are for sure worthwhile. What about worst scenes? Are you gonna throw some worst scenes at me? You know, I was having a hard time before I rewatched this. Like I didn't know what exactly would have been the worst scene, but then I watched it, and it's when, after Rudy quits the team and decides to come back, he walks onto the practice field, slow clap. <laughs> the obligatory slow yeah. clap yeah and and there's no like with the football team if he if he had actually quit or i mean maybe he didn't actually tell the coach and maybe he just didn't show up or whatever but like if you're coming in late there's going to be some discipline for that yeah you're not you're not walking on the field and just all of a sudden okay well let's let you participate <laughs> now and... yeah way to go <laughs> champ oh so so i guess i guess it just just because it just feels not realistic has, has there ever been a scene where a slow clap was effective i i feel like now it's just been kind of well it's a joke mocked. now right it's, it's just mocked, yeah, yeah. It, that's that's the the whole thing of it so yeah that that's not a very good one what else what else did you have that any other bad I scenes had. i thought i had others but that definitely stood out for me was because I, I laughed when I, and that happened. I, I have a couple others that I don't like. I don't know if you would necessarily say worst scene. One of them you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier was with the teacher when he was in high school. Oh, okay. And, and uh, a combination where, where he's basically just telling him how bad of a student he is. And then when he just won't even let him get on the bus to go on the, the visit or something like that. There's just something that feels wrong about that communication between the teacher and the student and maybe that's like something that just connects to me as someone who's been a teacher I've seen that, yeah. where where it just, just that it just bothered me it just rubbed yeah. me wrong and and again it, it's it is supposed to be part of the motivating factor for rudy it's another mm-hmm. one of those antagonists who's just so i don't know maybe it fits in the story but but i just don't like it yeah and i forgot to bring that up we were talking about the antagonist um i kind of you, you try to understand, like, the, the approach of these other antagonists or, like, why they would want to do something like that. Part of it was just kind of, they're trying to be realistic. They're just trying to, like, 
keep Rudy grounded and just say, hey, know your role and just understand that you don't have to have this with with your intelligence and with, with everything you have. You can still have a good life. It's just you can't get that, but you can still have a good life. Um, I, I think that there's just a different way that you have to communicate your concern that that you there has to be something that you can do if that doesn't work out for you or whatever like right. i i don't know i yeah I but that was it. definitely not <laughs> the manner that you would hope no. that someone in that that position would would be expressing that in it's like i i think it's valid for for someone to feel that way but yeah it just doesn't didn't like it the other one another scene that i didn't like um and and again it's it's like looking into something that's going to come up a little bit later when we talk about some of the stuff that was inaccurate or didn't actually really happen in in real life and it's the the scene and the the steel factory or whatever it is when oh, when uh, when pete yeah yes. when, when pete is in the accident and he dies and i guess like you know you talk about the storytelling of it and it, there has to be this trigger that mm-hmm. that Rudy's like, okay, yeah, I just now I have to just go do this. But I just feel like you know if you if you're gonna tell this story and it's a good enough story that we're making it into a movie, why are we fabricating this this moment where this friend who never even existed in, in real life is dying and then that's the the like the spark that drives him? I I just to me it just feels like too fantastical it's like why why are we even doing this i don't know i just didn't like that scene so do you agree that there should have been a scene like that where there's like an event that compels him to finally go after it or but it just not that i guess it felt like i mean and in a movie that's full of movie cliches it just felt really just like a cliched storytelling and 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 again especially looking into it and knowing that this friend never existed yeah uh rudy didn't even work at the (laughs) yeah and we'll get into all of those the time or whatever and so so all of that stuff and then you're having this be the catalyst for what finally you know maybe he's going to do it anyway but this is the the last straw that's like you know what i'm going to notre dame right now Mm -hmm. and and i'm gonna figure this all out and and so it's just there's elements of that that oh yeah didn't work for me there was one other scene now that we're talking about were scenes so he comes back after like a semester from Holy Cross and, and he's seeing his family again, showing the grades. And then his old flame, Sherry, <laughs> comes into the house and now she's with his brother. And I was like, I understand that she would move on, but why did it have to be his brother? I yeah. Just... And, and again, and that's, then... a, that's another thing where it's like, is this necessary for the story? Yeah. And it just didn't make sense, too, because, like, he would be more upset with his brother Frank or someone else just still saying, you're not going to get in, you're not going to do it. But it's like this girl he's sort of serious with is with her brother. Like, that that was not as important to him, I didn't think. So then that's going to... Insult to more insult since yeah, I guess the so. injury was already happening on the football field. But Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are, those are the scenes. All right, now lines. best line. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some dialogue. Um, you start first. Is is there a best line in this film? 
there there are some really good ones. I don't know I don't know necessarily what to say is the best. One that stands out to me after bringing up the the fake best friend who dies in the yes. the steel mill. There's the line where where he's talking to Rudy and and he says having dreams is what makes life tolerable. Yeah. Like that I was think I think that that one's a, a good line that that you know as long as you have something that you're you know, moving toward that you have in your mind is something that you want, like some kind of goal, whatever your dream is, that that, that that is really what, what, you know, brings the substance to your life that, that is good. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the good things in life kind of come from that, I guess. Um, my best line, uh, it's whenever he's about to go on the field as a player and Steele's asking me, ready for this? He's like, I've been ready for this my whole life is it ready or waiting see i don't even know my best line um but yeah whatever he says there um i ready i think yeah i've been ready for this my whole life and i was trying to think why that's my favorite i just feel like what i like to do i like to quote lines from movies um especially if people know what i'm referencing but something i've always wanted to do i've always wanted to repeat that line just (laughs) if someone's asking me are you ready for this and then i'll be like I've been ready for this my whole life. We'll put just... it in the intro for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's... <laughs> um, uh, another couple. There were some There were some good lines from uh, Fortune. Yes. Um, I don't have them. They're actually really long quotes, and I didn't didn't write out the whole quote to, to read right now. Uh, but when he's giving some wisdom to Rudy, when he's having his moments of, you know, some kind of crisis where right. he's not sure if he's going to be able to to get into whether it's not being able to get into Notre Dame whether it's not having a chance to to dress and uh some things like that I I I I guess I wish I had written them down to be able to say the main part of the quote but but he had a couple of really good kind of meaningful motivational lines that I that I thought would would deserve some consideration so what, what was the best line which one of those do you think was the best oh I don't know Okay, so we don't yeah, know which one was the best line. What about the worst line? You got worst you got line? something to throw out there as worst? I was thinking about the dialogue and I I feel overall with the with the dialogue, I didn't think anything was particularly terrible, but it wasn't great either. Um I don't know if there was a worst line for me. There might have been kind of some of those cliches. There's but... one that really struck me as being kind of goofy, and that's uh when when Rudy He's practicing with the team, and then he runs over to the sideline, and the the girl that that he <laughs> oh, had Mary. been talking right. to, Mary, yeah, uh, and he says, "Don't I know you?" And it's just to kind of like, is it just to rub it in, like, "Hey, yeah, I did finally get on the team, and look at me." And, and... what's funny though is that I feel like she didn't deserve that. <laughs> She never did anything. She didn't do anything. She was just following the rules. She was just following some rules. She was never telling him there was something that he couldn't do. But then, yeah, he so he goes over there. Don't I know you? To kind of, I don't know. And and maybe it's because he's still interested in her and wants her to pay attention to him. I don't know. I just thought it was goofy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't I know you? Don't I know you? All right. Uh, True facts. We're going to go to True Facts. True Facts about true facts. the Rudy. Yeah, and if you want to know what exactly I mean by why the, the context of the words True Facts, there's a YouTube video of this dude that does sort of like a Morgan Freeman voiceover, and he's talking about specific animals in nature, like the owl or the... Um, 
mantis shrimp. Yeah, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of, of them. Of Look them up. They're fun. Yeah. I, I will put that too on my uh, <laughs> links. My links yeah. in my blog. Um, so this is just basically trivia behind the making of, of this film. So I've got? got a couple here. Um, do you know Al Snow? He, the name sounded familiar and I, I looked it up. He was a former WWE wrestler professional wrestler i guess he was best friends with mankind and a bunch of those guys he was a player on the team i don't know which one but he actually was one of the members of the notre dame football team in this film yeah i do i do remember that guy a little bit never been huge into wrestling but i do kind of remember that guy and it makes sense big you need a big dude to play a football player so yeah i wonder how they casted some of those yeah i mean i i know i can't say that i would recognized him while watching the movie by any means i would have to look back and see but that's kind of interesting what else you got? All right. Um, we talked about this before. There were only two films that have ever been filmed on the Notre Dame campus. And it was New Rockney All-American and Notre Dame. Which is kind of crazy for one of the most iconic universities that, that it's been so strict. And I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm not surprised that they would only allow these two films because I'm sure whatever's, I'm sure tons of stuff has that have wanted to (laughs) yeah there's been a lot of people pitching like can we shoot this on the golden dome and all that stuff but these two films are very much in line with notre dame's philosophy like it's putting the university in such a positive light and so that's why they gave the okay to do this there was one other I'll, i'll probably talk about it later there's one other film that has been approved um but i don't think they have done any shooting of the film yet so yeah um, the final scenes of the movie where they're actually playing the game against Georgia Tech, all of that was filmed in eight minutes. So I was reading something that this assistant director of the of Rudy, he said that they had all their cameras set up. They, they did a lot of like shooting of the marching band and some other stuff, extras. And, but the actual um, shooting of the, 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 the game... See, again, I can't talk English again. Um, They were given eight minutes uh, to film. They were actually filming this during the middle of their Notre Dame-Boston College game. And so at halftime, they had the bands perform. That was done. And so the university said, okay, after that, you've got eight minutes until the team starts coming out again on the field. So they had like 17 cameras already set up. um, And they just already had everything tried to like, prepared ahead of time and then they shot all these films including the carrying rudy off the field and kicked off and all that stuff you know, it's kind of funny it goes back to earlier on like the initial reaction watching the film and and this isn't an initial reaction but it's in re-watching it and thinking back um i i felt like there was a lot more football in the movie the first time Mm-hmm. But then watching it again, it's really like the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie. It's it's really not not a lot of the movie where he's actually playing football. And I had remembered it differently where I guess it's just because you remember the scene where yeah, he's playing and being carried off and whatever. And I don't remember a lot of the rest of the movie. Uh, and, and so it just seemed like a, a bigger portion of it. Whereas, you know, makes it, it was really not that long not there. that much and and then you know to find out they only filmed it all and well not all of it but just certain things like that yeah. and the, the eight minutes is kind of interesting yeah they made it work um any more the, true facts any more true facts just one more um one of the 
songs on the uh, Rudy soundtrack. It's called Take Us Out. And that's like the main theme that we're all familiar with. John McCain used that as his official anthem for his presidential campaign back in 2008. And I didn't know that. You think I would have picked up on that? Because I've paid attention to that presidential election. But I tried to go on YouTube and tried to find a video. And so I did see one where after he officially accepted the nomination for the Republican Party, his whole family comes on there. There's confetti, all this stuff. And then they start playing. And I was like, oh. Um, I mean, now I'm like, okay, that's cool, whatever. You know, usually people are pretty sensitive about their music being used for election campaigns especially if they're not in agreement with the candidate and stuff but i i just thought that was interesting that he used it i've got a couple other things one one was not from my research and i didn't verify so i guess i can't say if it's a true fact but it seemed like uh, it's something that's plausible was that there's the scenes where he keeps going to check the list Yes. Of the players to see if he gets to dress for the game or not. Uh, and, and so, from again, what I saw that someone else said was that when he's pointing at the list, that he's pointing to the names of the players who actually carried the real Rudy off the field. That, uh-huh. So he points to a name. And so I didn't verify that. I think that it might be something that they would fit that in there. But that's like kind of interesting. Something that yeah. you might do, a little Easter egg that you kind of fit into the yeah. to the movie. Uh, and then another thing that I that I came across was that that if you watched the network TV version where they chopped it all up to show a bunch of commercials and, and whatever, that it's actually listed with a different director. Yeah, I never saw it on TV. And then why... Well, why would it get cut down? Yeah, and what and what I read, what it said was that it was it was cut up and altered so much that that they had I don't know had to or were able to I don't know that it got listed and I I haven't watched the the made for television (laughs) version of it. I'll Uh, look that up. But yeah, that would be an interesting thing to to see kind of like how. But apparently, it's so different that that you could say that there's a different director rather than the director for the film. So, so that's, that's all I've got for those, uh, facts. All right. So what are we doing next? Okay. So the next section is called suspend your disbelief. Now, usually when we're going to talk about a fictional film, I would, I would use this opportunity to talk about events that happen in the film that logically could not happen in real life. So like, you've got the cars that just crash and then they explode. That never happens. (laughs) Um, So that's normally what we would do. But in the case of this, because this is based on a true story, we're going to pick out some things that actually never happened in real life. Some inaccuracies. Not true to real life. Yeah. According to the real Rudy, he said like 92% of the film was actually based in real life. I don't know what his metrics are or anything like that but um so i've got i I feel like this is going to be a big chunk of conversation right here so i'll go through these pretty quick yeah um i don't know if i'll go in a certain order okay so let's talk about some of the supporting characters so um frank 
Rudy's older brother never existed. He was an amalgamation of all the naysayers. Anybody naysayers. who ever told him, he was just a collection of every person that yeah, had ever yeah, told Rudy Yeah, all summed no. up into one jerk brother. Yeah. Um, Fortune, I don't think existed. He was also an amalgamation, but specifically of three people that were... Uh, helpful. Very helpful and supportive to Rudy for his, you know, quest to get on the team. Um... I think I read somewhere that D-Bob didn't exist either. He hmm. was a uh, bartender and not an honor student at the school. I don't know. That's something I read there. Um, so that's... And also Pete didn't exist either. Right. That was just something um, made up for for the story. So we got, we got that. Um, play like a champion today. That's one of the most iconic things of Notre Dame football. Yeah, the sign that they're all touching when the football players are going out of the locker room onto the field and everybody hits it. Wasn't there yet. It wasn't around until the 80s. (laughs) They might have had a sign before then that had a different saying, but it was actually Lou Holtz that got the idea to create this sign called Play Like a Champion Today. Um, So whatever, that doesn't change anything with the story, but that's just another one of those, like, for for the Notre Dame people, that's something that sure that we people see can connect like, to. Oh yeah, I Maybe know that. Even Notre Dame fan or not a Notre Dame fan, you've seen the image if you've watched the college football game at at Notre Dame where they show the players running out and they're all hitting the sign. So it's something that that the audience could connect to, but wasn't there yet. All right, <laughs> so I want to bring up uh, a couple of things. So this has to do mainly with the uh, the jerseys and this sixty person. So there's there's a number that they kept using was sixty. They kept saying we're, we can only dress sixty people for the home games, and so some of you, even if you're scholarship winners, you're never going to see the field. Um, how many can you have dressed up as a home football game? I don't know that there's a specific number limit. I don't know for sure whether there has ever been one for the NCAA, but I don't know that there's any evidence that there was ever a sixty. No. person rule for home games these, these teams dress a lot of players for home games now they do limit the number of players that mm-hmm. that teams can dress for road games yes but at a home game as far as i know they don't i don't know that they put a cap on it but when you think about the numbers of scholarships on the team you've got like 80 plus scholarship guys and and you know n- not all of them necessarily dress some might be injured or whatever uh, different things can go into that decision too but you you've got 80 plus guys dressed on a on a home squad like there's not really a cap that i'm aware of maybe there is a number that number as far as i know there's no 60 i've never found any evidence that of that yeah and i guess the question here is does it serve the story to do that because i feel like some of the things that they have to fictionalize and over dramatize it's supposed to serve a story in a way it kind of does because we keep bringing up how competitive it is to get on the football team like not only just getting into the school but then being able to get a scholarship or to walk on like they're just trying to make it so difficult i guess they had to choose a number yeah um because i mean even without a cap that they're not going to just dress everybody they're it's just you know how many hundreds of players you know yeah. well i mean whoever's in the program i'm not saying there are hundreds of players in in the program like however many are on the practice teams and and whatever but uh there's still you know the team itself does limit that so it's it's still possible that they that they wouldn't 
have had him dress, but I guess it does make it like more of an accomplishment for him. And yeah. Um, so, so to as far as the story is concerned, I guess they needed something like that. Uh, but I haven't, I definitely don't know about that 60 number. I have never seen that before. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. The jerseys. So there's two things I want to bring up about the jerseys. First of all, there, since the seventies, there have not been any names on the back of the jerseys. So that was a Persian, uh, thing that he developed where he believed that the team was over any individual. And so he decided to just remove all the names off the jerseys. And I think maybe once or twice ever since, you know, they've, they've had some names, but, um, there shouldn't have been any on the jerseys. And what I saw was that uh, because Rudy was like a last minute person going into the team, they didn't have time to put his name on it. But they were saying that uh, that would have made it easier for his family to pick him out as if his height wouldn't get that. Yeah, away. they wouldn't. They wouldn't yeah. have or he wouldn't have told him what number he was or There's something like <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> So there shouldn't have been been names on the jerseys. And yeah. then something else I read was that, that some of the names are actually from uh, people that worked on the film. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So it was a nice gesture for them, I guess. Sure, yeah. Whatever. Um, so this is the a hypothetical I, I wanted to bring up about the, the jerseys. And you have the, the scene. Like, of course, I think when we talk about the movie, it's more about what really didn't happen. I feel like that's more of a conversation about that film is like these things didn't happen. So the biggest one for sure is the scene where all the players decide to give up their spot so that Rudy can play in the final game. Yeah, they all lay down their jersey in front of Dan Devine and like I think Rudy should dress instead of me or in place of me or whatever it was. Uh, And yeah, and that didn't happen. (laughs) None of that happened. And uh, and also Dan Devine in real life from my understanding was actually he was one of the people who wanted rudy to have a chance to dress for a game and uh and maybe even get in the game and was friends with rudy and and whatever and and so so what you were telling me was that they had that they in developing the the story for the movie that they had to have someone who was going to be that bad guy yeah so so the the filmmakers they went to contact him directly and they said hey we're gonna pitch this movie we do need someone to be like this they called it a heavy i guess but yeah it's like we need someone to play the antagonist and so if it's okay with you can we have your care your you as that antagonist in the film and he gave his blessing but not realizing that he was going to be portrayed so negatively in the film and he, I think, even till the day he died, he was disappointed super in how he was. Yeah. So even though he agreed, he didn't think he was going to be portrayed, I guess, quite that much of as quite that much of a bad guy for like standing in Rudy's way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, I, and I'm sure the problem too was that, um, I mean, the guy was a really good coach. I mean, he 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 was in the pros. He came from the Packers. He won a national championship for Notre Dame. And that's more than I can say for some of our contemporary coaches at the school. <laughs> um, so overall, he has been a decent guy as far as I know. But I'm sure that the people that had no idea about Notre Dame and watched this movie, they suddenly think that the real Dan Devine is, is kind of a jerk. And yeah. 
I'm sure that and that's that's a lot of contacted him or sent mails and he's a lot of people who, who would have an opinion that. about that. Like now nowadays, like you know, younger generation wouldn't even know who he was or mm-hmm. anything like that. But yeah, for a while, I'm sure that that people thought of him as being kind of a bad guy just because of how just he was portrayed the in the movie, yeah. which is kind of funny because it, by all accounts, I don't think that was in any way true. Yeah. So. I, I got I got something else. Uh, okay. Uh, one that mostly just because I think it's really funny is when when Rudy takes the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He rides he rides the bus from from Chicago to South Bend. Yeah, for the first time he's, he's, he's going. He's finally gonna go. You know, after after Pete died because the storytellers decided that that had to happen to make it so that Rudy wanted to go. Uh, it the way that it looks in the film is like it's an overnight trip. But you can tell me from experience that to get from Chicago to South Bend in two a hours. bus. Two hours. Two hours. Two hours. So how slow was that bus driver they driving? They had a lot of flat tires or something. I don't know. <laughs> to make Broke it, down quite To a make bit. it an overnight trip. And yeah. so we were trying to think how you could justify it. So maybe he left like really, really early in the morning when it was dark and that the sun had just started to come up by the time he was there and there's your two hours. Yeah, maybe but... it was like 4 a.m. or something. <laughs> but it really seemed like it was an overnight trip. <laughs> yeah, they took surface streets and toll road. <laughs> or I don't know. He, went, he started, he went the wrong way. He was on the wrong bus. And so then he had to get, he had catch to another back. one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but I, I thought that one was, was really funny. Mm-hmm. I, I have a hypothetical question for you. I want to go back to the, sure. the scene with the jerseys where they're laying them down. Yeah. Okay, so let's just say in real life this actually happened, that you could only have 60 people to dress up for the game. Uh-huh. And let's say they actually did this gesture where they're all in... All 60 of protesting. them. Protesting, yeah. Okay, so then... The coach agrees that Rudy's going to play. How would you feel if you were the one that got scratched <laughs> so that Rudy could play? Yeah, Joe Montana, you don't get to play today. <laughs> Damn it. My parents are coming to this. <laughs> Oh. No, that is that is funny. Yeah, who is the one? Because they all agreed. Okay, yeah, we're gonna do this. But then, if you're Someone the guy that the coach decided <laughs> had to be bent for Rudy to play, <laughs> uh, that that is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, that that would be upsetting because that would happen in real life. Where oh, well, wasn't it? Wasn't it that one dude that he kind of was getting into it with in practice the one time? The legacy kid wasn't he the one who didn't dress? He never got to dress. Yeah, he never did. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I don't remember then. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they actually. Actually, wait a minute. There was this scene where he he's there in the locker room and he's like in casual clothes, and Rudy's like, "I yeah, wish yeah, you yeah. were dressed up." Yeah. So we were supposed to like believe that. It was that. Uh, it was that, that guy. guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I kind of think I, I would have to watch it again huh. to to see if that. But I think that it was because he was like a third he... string tailback or something like that. Where a third string and tailback he, would he, probably dress. Yeah, he also had scholarships to like other schools. He could have gone place elsewhere, but yeah. So so I think yeah. I think it was supposed to be that oh, it was his that spot. Sucks. Yeah. I think it was his spot. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. All right. Okay. Moving so, on. That's enough. Uh, inaccuracies yeah, what do we, what do we so got many more we could oh yeah talk there's about, there's tons of them not. a lot of them not really all that noteworthy though it's just little stuff like you could see a more modern car than what right. would, it was like a 78 model rather than a 76 or something like that there's tons of stuff like that oh that yeah one quick thing would I take forever i forgot about this too um i was trying to pay attention to how many females were on campus on that film and uh the little I saw kind of seemed 50-50. There was a big emphasis on D-Bob trying to meet new girls and stuff. 
the first woman to ever be enrolled in Notre Dame was 1972. This film just took place the film, yeah. in 74, and I think at the time the ratio of women, or men to women, was 20 to 1. So there should have been a lot fewer girls, but... To be closer to the period, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, I, it, there would be slim pickings, like it would be really hard to try to get a girl. Yeah, D-Bob, I don't think you're finding someone. We gotta go to St. Mary's <laughs> across the street. Like, that's to... that's what I heard that they used to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I just want to put that. Okay, now we can move on. So this is my last segment. It's called, uh, I just call it remake. So we're in an age now and it's getting kind of frustrating. This is happening. We're remaking a lot of films. Like we're even going deep and getting classic films. Like I heard they're going to do a Princess Bride remake. Yeah, and why would, would you do no. that? But There's some that it doesn't make sense. But so if they did remake this film. Yeah. And we're not today. wanting them to, like, for any of these. We don't no. want remakes, but we're just playing along. If they do a remake, what... what Semi-serious we... or not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so my idea, if they remade the film. Uh-huh. So Rudy is a shy girl from West Texas who oh, dreams of uh, going to Notre Dame and joining the marching band. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> I think when I, I decided in the middle of my time at school there that I was going to be a screenwriter and someone did bring up the idea I would write a female Rudy script so so you're not you're not far off from that Rudy Rodriguez (laughs) from West Texas oh god no yeah uh is that really what you would do no No. Okay. Uh, my my other idea for for a remake, and it actually wouldn't be remaking Rudy. It's just uh, you could easily make a, a a movie about about this kid. Um, you know, we talked about the whole sports hate thing. I grew up watching USC, and there there was the they had a long snapper uh, who was blind, and he yeah. got to snap in a game. Jake Olson. Jake Olson. I want to say it was yeah. Jake Olson. Uh, and and uh, I remember watching something on on ESPN a while back about his life and just super inspirational. Again, it wouldn't be remaking Rudy, but the same kind of inspirational story for uh, for that. I think that that would be yeah something so, that could be cool. But if you actually remade it, what do you think would? Um, I don't know. You know, something I was reading. I think it'd be. I think it was hard enough for them to to film on campus because there's been so much expansion. And so many new buildings there that they had to shoot it, so they're not showing. I think they there was some of it that they couldn't avoid. I think like the athletic center wasn't around or something like that. Um, I think now they might have to use some CGI because even the exterior. Or maybe you modernize it. Maybe it's still it the a... story of Rudy, but now it's contemporary, and and so it's. So like just maybe do a in fiction. Twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking you have to CGI it if you yeah. want it kept in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot Get of things rid of that are the different. Stupid jumbotron that's in the stadium right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, the story there, the core is still. Basically the same underdog the same. story. That's that's not really changing much. Yeah. What I was surprised though is that I felt like they went through a lot of the events really fast. Um, like the whole story from whenever he was back at home and then maybe I would cut that down a little more like all the upbringing stuff Hmm. and then go into more Notre Dame. Like I feel like they really went a lot through it. I, I, I felt with a lot of the film that I think with Rudy too, I felt like he was very persistent to the point where he was just becoming annoying 
but it wasn't so bad when I watched it. I thought it was more prevalent when I saw it before. I think there's a little bit of that. I do but feel I think... like that, that, that after a while, it's, it's, it's like we already know. Yeah. <laughs> Either go do it or don't. Like, there, there is a little, like, I don't think that that's too strong but but i i think that there is an element where you're thinking okay well let's get the show on the road here and that it yeah. was kind of lagging let's get to notre dame already and get back to the football scenes and uh, i did actually find myself noticing that when yeah. i was when i was watching yeah okay so one other thing i would say is um i think there is talk about doing like a new kind of rudy story there has been one other film like i said that guy, netflix series <laughs> no there there was a uh about five years ago i think the university approved to uh have one other story be filmed on campus and there's this woman named Haley scott de maria so in the 90s she was part of the swim team and they were on a bus traveling and they got into a really bad accident so two of her teammates died she got paralyzed and they told her that she probably would never walk again. So, spoiler alert, she can walk again. She she got all of her <laughs> Well, now I don't need to see the movie. Yeah. No, but uh, she, she's a writer now. She's a motivational speaker. Um, she's got a book out talking about her experience with all of that. So, mm. um, I don't know what where that is as far as the development of it, but... Uh, I'd be interested in seeing that because sure. it's the same type of thing where it, yeah. I mean it's different but she was at a point where she was told but that sort of motivational thing where you're not gonna be and, and like inspirational sort of story like that same in the same vein yeah yeah so I'm hoping they'll come around to doing that soon um final thoughts that's it final thoughts final thoughts so I got a question for yeah. you for your final thoughts yeah is Rudy a good movie it's a good movie <laughs> um I don't I think the first time you watch it it is great. It is heartfelt and I can totally understand with people like seeing it for the first time they would fall in love with Notre Dame and that story cuz they want to have that's that's a dream and if he can achieve it we can all achieve it. Um I wouldn't go so far as like rewatching it all the time like I don't know how many times I've seen it before but rewatching it's like yeah, it's a decent film. Like I can, I can see now where there's cliches and some devices. That's like. So weird. I would agree, I would agree with you that it's a that it's a good movie for what it is. Mm -hmm. I guess, um, and and part of that, and then that was my follow up question was like, how do you feel it held up in rewatching? And um, I don't know that it's something that you would feel is infinitely rewatchable. Maybe some people would, just to, depending on the connection you have to it. For me, uh, I don't know that I really need to see it again. I know the story, and it's worthwhile seeing its in inspirational story, and that's why I say that that I feel like it's good for what it is. But it, I don't think that it's an incredible achievement of uh, filmmaking let's say yeah <laughs> so that's where i am any any other final thoughts on rudy uh no i'm glad we got to do this yeah it's fun yeah would you do this again sure maybe? why not all right cool i'll let you get to video games now <laughs> thank you all right um my fellow domers and anyone else listening out there uh i would love to hear your thoughts about rudy uh, if you've watched it if you you know, we're one of those people that got inspired to go to the school because of it. Um, if you want us to keep doing more of these, that's great. Um, but whatever your thoughts are about this episode, 
go to my email, semifieldwriter at gmail.com. Send me a message. Just give me your thoughts. I would love to hear the responses about this. Um, And then what I'll do after this, I've got some notes of stuff that I want to follow up on, and uh, I will post it on my website, semifieldwriter.com. Thank you again, Eric, for doing this. Um, We did good. We did over an hour. I didn't know. I didn't feel like we were, like, being long-winded here. This was great. So... Yeah, thanks to everybody listening. Um, I'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Right.